Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 118. Today my guest is John Morgan of Team SI and to me, from a dealer's perspective, this is one of the most important things out there that you can that you can do, and that's uh, make your website better, make your uh, ability to be found on the internet better, and you know whether it be just search engine optimization, which we're going to hit pretty depth here uh, with with John, or whether it's you know where you're at on social media or stuff like that. So, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Casey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you today, and. Uh, get into the weeds of the search engine optimization world. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I think this is one of those things that I, I feel is uh, sometimes overlooked, and the folks that do take advantage of it and do figure it out and understand how to make it work in their business, um, irregardless of what industry you're in, uh, search engine optimization is a uh, is a big deal. Yeah, well, uh, I certainly think so. I, I think it's a big opportunity, and like you said, often overlooked. So uh, hopefully we can help some people out and, and offer some guidance. Right on. All right, John, well, let's just do this then first. Talk to me a little bit about who you are and what your role is with Team SI. Sure. Well, I've been here at Team SI for nearly five years now. Um, I've been in a search engine optimization manager type role the whole time I've been here. Uh, I have a history of working on the organic side and on the web for about 10 years now. And uh, ever since I graduated college, so it, it has been an interesting roller coaster ride with the way that Google likes to change things. It's always fun to keep up with what they've got going on. And so uh, as of now, I'm the director of analytics here at Team SI. And so I help make sure that all of our analytics accounts are up and running and collecting data the way they need to be. And in addition to the uh, SEO duties uh, that I had before. Okay, so let's go. Uh, let's go fifty thousand foot view before we get too granular with this. Um, talk to me about the high level view of what analytics do for your company. How you're tracking those things? Why do you track them? What are you tracking? You know, what's it going to do for me as a uh, as a uh, consumer uh, of of that information? What am I go- What am I gathering there? Yes, that's very important. I would say. Um, So just a high-level overview, analytics are going to be generally talking about some kind of software as a service online. So two of the really popular ones would be Google Analytics, and sometimes you might hear about Adobe Analytics, although that's more of an enterprise solution. So Google Analytics is a free tool, and that's one we typically recommend people use. And the power of Google Analytics is it lets you plug in a little script onto your website And so every time somebody visits your site, when the page loads for that user, we can record information about what page they're on, how long they're on the site, uh, you know, did they find what they were looking for, where are they? So it really helps us find out if the site is accomplishing its goals in helping people find the products and services that they're looking for. 
And so the really valuable thing about it is once you get into the weeds of it is we can look at where people came from to get to your site. So did they come from an organic Google search? Uh, You know, were they looking for your company on Google and then they found you or were they on your Facebook page and then they clicked through a link on your Facebook page and came to your site and then bought something? So the the end all be all is we're able to really closely attribute return on investment to a lot of the the mediums and the way that people are getting to the site. So your different campaigns, whether it's you know uh, the Facebook, the social side of things, or organic, or if you have YouTube videos, basically anywhere online people can come to your site, and even offline stuff. So you can set up campaigns that have special URLs, for example, on a TV commercial or radio commercial. And if people type that URL in, you're able to attribute that traffic to an offline campaign as well. So it's, it's really all-encompassing and, and can help us attribute ROI across the board. So it's an easy way to measure then. If I know I know what I'm doing, yeah. where it's, where I posted it at, where it went from, where am I getting the most traffic? Am I getting more Twitter or Facebook or just, like you said, organic you know, searches uh, via, via Google or, or wherever? So it's going to give me... You know, what, where do I need to spend my dollars at to get the most bang for my buck? That's right. That'd be an accurate way to put it. And, you know, everybody wants to know how to get the most bang for their buck. And Google Analytics, uh, analytics in general, can really help us achieve that goal. Right on. Okay. So now let's jump into a little bit of a, of a granular look now. Let's talk about SEO. Um, explain that, what that is, how that works, and, and what am I... Uh, what am I gathering from that? Yeah, that that's going to be, this is one of my, my fun, most fun things to talk about. So um, I'm going to try not to get too in the weeds right off the bat. So let me know if I need to reel back in. But uh, when I talk to companies, generally, I like to give a brief definition of what SEO is because there are a lot of uh, preconceived notions or misnomers or, you know, misunderstood notions about SEO a lot of times. And so we just like to uh, get on the same page with folks right away when we talk about SEO. So we're, we're, you know, uh, on the same, on the same page. So here's my brief definition that I generally give. The first thing, and it's, it's broken into two parts and that's kind of important because there are two sides to this coin, if you will. So the first thing is search engine optimization is one of the marketing disciplines where we focus on growing visibility uh, in search results, which we would call organic search results. And that is different from the paid search results that you might see, which would be more SEM. So SEO is going to be the listings that don't have that little ad disclaimer next to them. They're generally like the top a few four or five below the ad. Like the top four That's or five right. on so, the search engine. Right. Yes, we're dealing with uh, Google's algorithm and how Google crawls the web and finds your content and deems it relevant or authoritative. So that's the the kind of SEO general definition. The other bullet point I like to throw out is that SEO encompasses a more technical side and a, a creative side to improve your rankings and, and drive your traffic and increase awareness. So there's a technical element, but there's also a creative element where we we have to have a little bit of a foot in both doors. Obviously what you're trying to do with, with the SEO is that you don't want, you want to, you have as much web presence as you can as cheap as possible. Correct. So you don't necessarily want to right, have to go exactly. out and spend a bunch of money on paying for ads and those kind of things if you don't have to. Right. So if you have a, 
a really good SEO program set up, then you're going to build that. You know, once you're below the paid for ads, you're the top one or two or three links, right? That's kind of the goal, correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And one of the beautiful things about SEO is that it's not a one or the other. Like you don't have to quit one marketing discipline to focus on SEO. Really, they work beautifully together, the SEM and SEO. So one of the things that's really cool about that is generally when a campaign is just getting started and we're looking at, okay, what uh, keywords do you want to rank for? For example, SEO is a really... Uh, it's a slow building. It's kind of like a crockpot kind of game. It's going to take a while to get our results. So the beautiful thing about SEM is you can have an SEM campaign running on a Google ads, and you may be bidding on those same keywords that you want to rank for eventually in organic. You may not have those rankings right away, right? We're, we're waiting for Google to recognize the authority of your site and the optimizations that we've made. So we can pay for some ads on those keywords, and you can start showing up in those ads nearly right away and start to get that traffic. And then as your organic rankings increase, you start to see that traffic, you know, coming in for the organic side, then we can uh, move away from the paid side and you can lean on the organic side more and more. And you can shift that ad budget somewhere else, whether it's another set of keywords focusing on another category or product or service, what have you, or to another marketing discipline entirely. So keywords, that's, that is a, uh, a key thing. Um, when you're looking at your keywords and you're and you're trying to decide what keywords are going to be beneficial for you to go out and and buy or or uh, hashtags and all those kind of things, how, how do you make that determination? And are you just when you first start out, you know, in the farm equipment business, um, agriculture equipment business that, that I'm in, um, obviously tractor combine, you know, that kind of stuff is going to be top of mind. But what are some other ways of, of picking those keywords and knowing what keywords are going to be beneficial? Is it just kind of throwing darts and see what works or it, is there, is there some method to that madness? Great question. And honestly, there is a tried and true methodology to keyword research and it has changed a lot over the years as different tools have come and gone and some of the tools have changed the data that they're collecting. Uh, so it's vital that we get the keywords right. I mean, you can imagine if we're not optimizing for the, the right keywords, you know, air quotes around right, mm -hmm. then when people are searching, if they're using a different keyword, it doesn't matter if you're ranking for the ones that we've picked or not. You know, if they're searching for different keywords, we're, we're not going to be there and we're not going to get that traffic. So making sure we have those keywords as close to the voice of the searcher as possible is going to be of absolute importance. So uh, going back to looking at how we can accomplish that is that there are a few different ways. One of the first things that we like to do is talk to the customer, talk to potential customers of our clients if we have that access and say, okay, well, what kind of data can we glean from our client and customers to say, how are people finding you right now? You know, what are what terms are people using in your industry? What's the the lingo, the slang? You know, a, a lot of industries, people don't go out and type in very specific uh, product names and product numbers. And it, it's not as robotic as the world can appear from a data perspective. So we like to make sure that we're 
speaking the same language as the people that are looking for you. So that's very important right off the bat. And then we can take that information and we can plug some of those keywords that we've uh, gotten from the initial research into a tool where we can see what is the competitiveness of this keyword. So who else is going after this keyword? You know, how many results are there for it? Uh, and we can also look at monthly search volume. So Google will tell us, and we have to take this with a little bit of grain of salt, but Google will give us an idea of, on average, how many people search for this keyword every month. Uh, the problem with that is the longer the keyword, the more words we have in it. So if you have what we call a long tail keyword, and we're really getting into the weeds here, so reel me back in if we need to. But uh, if we if we talk about you know a really long tail keyword like uh, John Deere 1023E for sale in XYZ City in Nebraska, Google's not going to tell us that that has a whole lot of search volume because it's such a long tail keyword. So we just kind of have to use some of the initial data from the broader version of that keyword and make a judgment based on that. So there's a little bit of give and take there. And then the other thing that we like to use for our research is if there's any existing paid data. So if you've been bidding on keywords, we can use some of that to say, oh, well, here's what uh, people are clicking on. Here's what people are converting on. And then we can optimize for that as well. So that's extremely valuable. Okay. All right. So now I'm looking at um, various sites out there and, and you'll, you'll go across something on their website and you'll see, you know, hashtag whatever, 4,000 different hashtags across all kinds of stuff. How does that play into um, keyword searches and how does that play into, I mean, I know they're different from a perspective of um, a keyword search versus a hashtag. I mean, I get the difference there, but how do, how do those hashtags play into that, I guess, for lack of a better term, keyword search when you start looking at optimizing and driving traffic? Yep. So what I would say about hashtags specifically are from a social perspective, there can be an effect of, okay, if you're getting more awareness to a post that has a lot of hashtags on it and you're getting awareness that way, then there can almost be like, okay, for example, if you posted uh, about a product or service on your site or maybe a special and you've hashtagged it on social media and you have a link to your site on that social media post, uh, Twitter specifically. And so that, twi that Twitter post gains a lot of traction. Well, you know, you can show up uh, being associated with that. So uh, that can have a, a rising tides effect on your SEO. And that's not exactly a direct effect on your, your pages rankings. But uh, that can have an effect, certainly. So that's something to be mindful of on social media. And when it comes to your actual website, I wouldn't recommend going out and having a lot of hashtags on your page, primarily because the hashtags are going to be more uh, usable in that social media framework. And so you got to think about what kind of value is this hashtag bringing to your site user. Now, if it's a way that you categorize maybe blog posts on your site and that's the way people can find other relevant content, that may be of use. Uh, but from a pure rankings perspective, having more of those hashtags or, you know, uh, especially just like a list of keywords on your site, I would stray away from that because Google may perceive that as what we would call keyword stuffing. And so anytime Google thinks you're just throwing a bunch of keywords on a page, to help, help yourself rank higher, 
that can be perceived as kind of a, a bad practice and, and you don't want Google to think that you're gaming the system. So there, there's a, a give and a take to that. And so I would say for social media, absolutely. You want to make sure you have your hashtags right on your site. And I would think it through on how it's going to help your user. So on, on your social media sites, would you have uh, your keyword searches also be your hashtags too? Is that, is that a common practice or is that two completely different animals? I would definitely conduct research within the social media platforms to see who else is using those keywords as hashtags and making sure that they are in line with what you would expect. So as long as you do your research and you say, okay, well, for this hashtag, people are, you know, my competitors are creating posts or there's kind of an industry buzz around this, then absolutely that's, that's, that's something that I would recommend. If it's something that people are not using, then, you know, you may think, well, is this bringing value to anybody? So that, that would be my kind of, uh, that, that's how I would determine if it was going to be a value. Okay. All right. So now we're going to, I want to talk about SEOs and campaigns, right? So now we're going to get a little, little more granular here. Um, All right. When you're, when you're looking at, for example, um, let's talk about used, everybody has, has a used equipment issue somewhere in their, in their, uh, in their in their repertoire someplace and, and combines is usually that is that animal for the folks that sell combines on a, on a larger scale. So um, if I want to build a, a campaign right now and I want to sit back and say, you know what, I've got some used combines over here. Um, I feel like I maybe have uh, a little more than I should. I want to get aggressive with a campaign. How am I going to, how am I going to build that campaign and, and, and use search engine optimization keyword searches, those kind of things to, to make that campaign work and be successful. That is a great, great observation. So orga uh, organic campaigns for used equipment are going to be a little bit of uh, a booger compared to new equipment or parts or service. Some of those things that you're going to have as a constant on, on your site and on your lot. So for example, a piece of used equipment, if we were to create a page for it and we wanted this page to rank for a very specific piece of equipment, right? Mm -hmm. Well, by the time this page has garnered the authority and the relevance and Google is loving the page the way we want it to for it to show up when people search for that piece of equipment, that, that piece of equipment may uh, be gone from the lot, you know? So we've spent a lot of time waiting for it to show up in search results and then it's gone and we don't have that piece of equipment to offer anymore. So it's not the ideal situation from a campaign perspective to create a page specific to a piece of equipment. Now, a lot of times you're going to already have the page because you want to list it on your site. The question is, how do we optimize and have a, a really good return on your investment if you're going to be optimizing these pieces of used equipment uh, so that you know, we can have them show up? And if they're not available, what do we do then? So there are a couple of different strategies that surround this. One of the things that I like to offer is, in the case that you example, this is a great example, uh, for combines, for example, you may have a page that talks about used combines for sale. And this would be almost an inventory page where you have listings of if you have different pieces of machinery available. Now, ideally, what you'd have is some uh, like a script or a piece of code on your site that has an if-then statement, a conditional statement where if you have the inventory, then that inventory displays in a list. And if you don't have any inventory, 
then it gives a message telling people about, hey, we don't have any of these pieces of equipment right now. Feel free to fill out our contact form or call one of our sales managers to be put on a list. And we'll let you know as soon as we do have a piece of equipment and we'll get in touch with you. So you can have, it's almost a a win-win. You're not selling the piece of equipment if you don't have it, obviously, but you're also not giving people a letdown when they get to a page and the piece of equipment that they were looking at is already gone. And I know that's a, a bit of a long-winded explanation of how I'd go about doing that, but uh, I think that is generally the best case scenario. There are a couple, a couple other ways you can approach that and tackle that problem, but uh, let me know if that makes sense, and I'd be happy to, to go into more detail if we need to. No, it makes great sense. Go ahead with the further that, that explanation there a little bit. Yeah, well, basically, uh, the way that we'd want to structure that is to look at what kind of campaigns we we have uh, for different categories. And so a lot of times we like to break down our campaigns for new into those larger categories, whether it's going to be large ag as big of a group as that, or we can get a little bit more specific and drill down into combines, or we can drill down into you know specialty tractors, or we can drill down into you know residential ag. Uh, so we we would recommend basically structuring the campaigns as nearly as you can while you're, you have boots on the ground to create the pages or create the content. Uh, so it, it kind of, you have to evaluate how much work do I want to put into creating these um, pages that are going to be the landing pages for this used category of equipment. So if you ideally, and this is, you know, if we had unlimited resources, unlimited time, we'd have a very specific page for each type of equipment on, on like a, a sub subcategory level. Now we don't always have that level of uh, time to commit or resources to commit to the project. So I would recommend starting out broad uh, and, and working your way down. So starting out at what's going to be the most valuable or what you usually have on the lot most often. So if it's combine, create that page first, and then you can uh, evaluate how it's performing uh, and that can be kind of your buy-in to see, okay, well, where do we want to go from here next? Right. Okay. So for example, if I had a, uh, uh, a need to get rid of a certain specific model of a machine, right? So let's say it's, we're talking combines here. So let's just say I have a glut of S670 combines, right? For example, if mm-hmm. I had that same to what you're talking about then, so could you make something, a campaign that revolved around, um, you know, 2012 to 2015 John Deere S670 combines and make somehow build a campaign around that that's going to drive to a, a specific landing page that'll have 10 combines on it or something like that, that I'm trying to get rid of those 10 combines or 10 machines or whatever it might be. Yep. That's exactly, exactly in line with what I would expect. So, and generally the only tweak that I would make to what you had said <clears throat> Excuse me. The only tweak that I would make is uh, you may not want to focus on the year model, having the year model in there. Okay. So you would that's obviously something of value, but it's not something that I might optimize the page for right away. I might start out a little bit broader and just look at the model number and uh, and go from there. And then as time goes on, see how that page builds authority, see how that page starts to rank. 
And then, you know, if you want to, you, you can, you're obviously going to have the year on there at some point right. of the year models of these, these, these tractors. So that information is going to be available. And if Google wants to use it, that, that's great. Uh, and those pages should show up if Google, uh, if somebody searches for them in Google. But uh, I would start out broad and then work into those more narrow things. And so year model is one of those ways to get narrow, more narrow. Uh, so that that's absolutely on point. Okay. So now on that same that same level, um, if I have a set of uh, or a piece of equipment that is, and maybe I might have five or six of them, and, and they're very specific, right? So for example, sugar beet harvesters, right? That's where we're at. And there's like five patches of the world that in the United States that have um, sugar beets as a as a as a crop, right? So very, Mm -hmm. very special, specialized machines, very, you know, um, granular as far as your customer base and that kind of stuff goes. How would I go about doing something like that? That is already that specific anyway, um, and not get too specific to where, you know, it's, it's going to get missed. How how would you go about doing something like that? Yeah, that is really one of the more ideal situations in my book, because we have it, it's, it's, specialized enough it's specific enough and narrow enough where uh the competition is going to be marginally slim compared to something that is going to be more widely available so we've already you know cut down a lot of our competition so to speak the other thing is we can look at um creating that page for this type of tractor and doing in the process of doing our keyword research making sure that the keywords that we're using on that page are going to be in line with a more specific type of implement or tractor. And that way, you know, you're going to be speaking the language of the people that are uh, looking for that implement. And you don't have to worry as much about the specific model numbers in that case. I wouldn't think you can see from a search volume perspective, what are we looking at when we're just looking at the, the broader category, even though it's a narrow category, what are we looking at search volume wise? And if it's still too broad, you know, we can start broad and then again, just narrow down into specific model numbers if we need to. But it's an even better case when we start out with a more specialized piece of equipment um, because, you know, we're the competition is so much slimmer. So uh, if the, the strategy works a little bit better in that case, uh, same strategy, same idea. And you can see how it works and narrow it down if you need to. But overall, um, I wouldn't change the strategy a whole lot. Okay. All right. So now we're going to, we've done our campaign. We've got stuff rolling. How am I going to measure what happened? And and how am I going to see what happened with with the campaign that I rolled out? Yeah. So this is very important. And traditionally, attributing return on investment to organic can be kind of difficult. Because if you think about it, um, there's a lot going on that, that can be uh, more difficult to record on the front end of your time in, invested or your investment from, um, you know, if you're paying somebody on your side to create this content that Google likes, uh, how do you attribute, okay, well, I spent this much time or, or had this much resources involved in the creation of this content that, would, that I want to rank or this much time invested in optimizing for this campaign. And then, Looking at the organic traffic on the analytics side, which we kind of talked about a little bit uh, before, 
seeing how many people got in touch with you, you know, how many people have filled out a contact form. Uh, and then, you know, how do you determine how many of those people came because of the work that you put in and how many people came because they would have came anyway? So you may have already been getting some organic traffic, but now you're getting more. So it, it's a little bit tricky to say, okay, well, I'm getting this much more traffic. I'm getting this many more calls and, you know, uh, selling this much more equipment or, or this many more implements, whatever it may be. So that's as opposed to like an SEM campaign where it's very clear how much money you're spending bidding on certain keywords and people are clicking and converting. So it's a little bit trickier, but it's definitely still possible. It's definitely something that we focus on. And so the idea is, kind of going back to what I said, is you want to have a baseline of how much organic traffic you're receiving right away. And then we have our keyword research. We've established how important that is. We want to have a tool at our disposal where we can record where your, your website is ranking for those keywords when we start the campaign. And so there are a lot of tools out there that do that. Uh, we have one that I love, and it, it looks at uh, not only where you rank, but it also looks at who else is ranking for that keyword so we can see where you stand uh, in the playing field. And so we can monitor that information over time. And so let's say we optimize uh, a page for combines. And initially, we're ranking, you know, maybe on the fifth page of search results. So who clicks to the fifth page of search results, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty rare for somebody to be clicking that deep in the search result pages unless they're really hunting for something. Possible, but just not likely. We really want to be on the first page, right? So over time, after we've optimized this page, we can see our rankings start to improve. Traffic may not be improving yet. So looking at analytics at this point is not going to be all that useful. So as we see rankings climb from the fifth page to the fourth page to the third page, we know we're making progress, but we don't expect to have any traffic yet because people still are just spending most of their time on the first page of search results. That's when we really start to see the traffic increase. Okay. So initially, that keyword ranking tool, keyword rank tracking can help us determine if this campaign is working, even though we may not be seeing the results. So that's that's the first part of it. And then... As we start to get onto the first page, we would expect to see more traffic on the analytics side of things, and we can determine if uh, that, that's really when, it, when we, we see if the, the keywords that we picked are in the, the money, because if we start to see those awesome rankings, but we don't see traffic being affected the way we expect it to, then we may need to pivot a little bit and, and uh, revisit our keywords. So. As people start to come to the site, that's where we get back into recording what they're doing on the site. You know, we started out with a thousand visitors to this page, just using a, a whole number there for an example. Say so we started out with a thousand visitors uh, from organic onto a certain page. And then um, after we start to see these rankings increase, maybe we see that go up to 1500, for example. So that is a win for sure. We like to see more traffic on the page, but we want to make sure that's qualified traffic. In other words, we want to make sure these people are converting at the end of the day, that they're either getting in touch with you or, or buying the equipment. So we have a lot of ways to do that. And there should be something on your site where there's a click to call or contact forms and different ways that people can get in touch with you and they become a lead. And we can record that in Google Analytics as well. So we can see how many of those visitors have ended up getting in touch with you. And then you can say, you know, well, I've seen on my end as a, as a dealer, you can say, 
you know, sales, usually this time of year, we have uh, about this level of sales. And then after we have this campaign running a little while, are we trending above where we were this time last year? Or are we about the same? Or, you know, what, what are the uh, bottom line sales looking like at the end of the day? And that can really help us too. And so that feedback between us and the client helps us make sure that we're really on point when it comes to um, attributing our ROI to organic. What's the biggest mistake you see folks make when they're when they're messing with this stuff right here? What where is the what what is the uh, most common thing you see that folks do? Oh my, oh my, what what a question. I've seen some amazing stuff uh, <laughs> that uh, scary sometimes to think back through some of the, the issues that I've seen. Um, I would say it has changed over the years, depending on what really Google is focusing on at a given time. So, you know, like in a lot of industries, there are things that you can do that would be considered white hat or acceptable. There are black hat things that would be deceptive to Google that, uh, you know, may earn you a penalty from Google and that that would make your site disappear from search results. And then sometimes there's kind of gray hat stuff where Google hasn't really said it's okay for you to do this or not. So in one sense, you could look at what could people do that's terrible. And you could say, well, you could hire somebody that is a black hat practitioner of SEO and they are spamming either other sites trying to uh, get links on other sites to yours, or they may be, uh, spamming your site with keywords using practices that obviously don't work anymore. For example, this is, I don't know, uh, this may bore some people out of their minds, but I think it's really fascinating how times have changed in the olden days uh, of SEO, which is, you know, maybe 15 years ago, people used to look at a site. If you think about how websites used to look back in the day, this is a lot easier because websites had a kind of a solid background a lot of times and a lot of times now there's a texture or something going on but um, a lot of times websites have this solid background and then seos would change the color of text that they would put on the page to match the background so users couldn't see it but search engines could and they would just start stuffing keywords in there so as many keywords as they could that might be relevant to whatever that page was about and so it didn't really bother the user because the user didn't see it, but Google saw that as extremely de- deceptive. So they were trying to game the system, and it's really easy for Google to pick up on these things and throw a, another little wrench or another little tweak in their algorithm to look out for these things. And if they see it, then all, your site may go from ranking really well to not ranking at all. Uh, Worst case scenario, you know, you might get blacklisted or something like that. Uh, so it, it's really fascinating the history of that. So, you know, I would say hiring somebody that makes promises that they can't deliver on, or, you know, if it's too good to be true kind of promises, that would be something that I would look out for because, you know, a lot of times you say, well, I'm not really sure that I have the knowledge or want to invest the time to get the knowledge to carry out one of these campaigns. I'm going to hire somebody to do it. And the first thing you want to do is hire somebody that's pretty cheap and looks like a, g- a great deal, but that can oftentimes make you end up worse off than you were before. That would be probably the worst case scenario. Now I, I can see that happening quite a bit. There's a lot of folks that don't have, really have a, a lot of background in this and, um, 
and they someone comes along and says, "Hey, I can do this for you," and what, look what I've done in the past, and and next thing you know, you're it's bad thing to get blacklisted on with Google. I mean, yeah, there's other search engines out there, not, but not a happy place to be. It's not a good place to be at all. Not a good place to be at all. All right, John. Well, we've been going for a while here, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. If folks want to reach out to you and get more information about Team SI or, or search engine optimization, how would they do that? Sure thing. Well, if people want to get in touch with me, they can send an email to us or, or visit our site. Um, you know, honestly, I'd have to check our site to make sure what the most current email is that we need to uh, that people would want to get in touch with. But uh, if, if they want to get in touch with me directly, then I can get in touch with uh, people that they need to talk to on our end to get a consultation set up. And we'd be happy to do that and look at your current situation, see how we can help you out. So uh, if nothing else, you can get in touch with me. And my email is jmorgan at teamsi.com. So that's the, the letter J, M-O-R-G-A-N at teamsi.com. Or you can visit our website and uh, fill out one of our contact forms there. So uh, that's just teamsi.com. Uh, and we'd love to talk to you and see how we can help you. Well, John, it's great talking with you. Uh, make sure you guys reach out to Team SI if you have if you're looking at building websites or just how you're going to have traffic built for um, just different campaigns and stuff like that. Well, we use them here and and had nothing but great success with them. So anybody that is uh, interested in that, make sure you get a hold of John and the folks at Team SI. So John, till next time, have a great uh, great day, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much, Casey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.